0: Hey followers, this is your boy, movie maker Doug 55. And I'm also the author of Mosey and the Great Escape and From Green Flags to Blue Flags 2, the Amazing Comeback of an Autistic Spokesperson. Today I have two special guests with me today. My coach and mentor, Andy McPhee, and I also have G. Cunningham. Welcome, guys.
1: Thank you. Hi. Hi. Hi, G. Hey, G. Thanks. um, Thanks for joining us and making this time work, even though probably where you are in Melbourne, because I'm in Los Angeles. uh, Doug is in Phoenix, Arizona. You guys really are sort of locked down anyway, right? For a certain amount of time. So,
2: um, Yeah, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, just going for
1: a walk-on. Yeah, why am I locked down? And look, just uh, mentioning uh, Doug's—I'm not sure, G, if you know, you, you probably do—but Doug's last book, he shared uh, from Green Flags to Blue Flags Two, is actually uh, floating between three and four hundred bestsellers on Amazon internationally, and round about fifteenth to twentieth, uh, you know, um, bestseller in uh, the UK. So it's it's very cool that he's, um, you know, gone from his journey of autism and anxiety and depression to someone one day as a teenager said i hear you like writing why don't you write a book and he's written eight eight since and we're on his no sorry seven and we're on his eighth book uh we're doing a science fiction so it's quite an achievement and you know having guests like yourself on uh has grown quite big now it's gone from 10 series to i don't know probably 20 or 30 now we just have more people coming on just sharing their journey of achievements of whatever they've dealt with in life. So I'll hand it back to Doug and he can, um, start our session with G Cunningham from Melbourne, Australia.
0: (laughs) Nice. Led by Doug Kenny from Phoenix, Arizona, (laughs) and Andy McPhee from Los Angeles.
1: Yeah. What are you up to now? Like, I know I've heard you're doing a bit of creative work. Doug share with me that you were talking to me about some of the arts. What are you actually doing now in the creative world? What are you studying or doing?
2: Well, I recently got back into acting classes and singing classes. It's definitely interesting doing it all online right now. Mm. But I feel like it's also helping me prepare for when I um, travel so I can still... Um, so I'm more comfortable getting into this stuff for the future without feeling like it's, it has, I have to learn it instantly. Um, but yeah, before quarantine, I did a lot of dance classes. I even started circus classes.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mainly just do singing, um, acting acting is my biggest thing. Uh, yeah.
1: You do a little
2: bit of artwork too because I've seen it on your social media, right? Yeah, I do some visual art. I did it a lot more as a child, but it's definitely been a good, especially in high school, it was a good outlet for me. I had yeah. a visual journal. It, I was more of a, I would draw in it when I was having bad days or in yep. classes. I was allowed to um, draw in class because it helped um, keep me in present and in the classroom. Okay. Um yeah, I don't do it as much anymore, but yeah.
1: And you and so I think Doug's um I know Doug's uh, got a couple of questions around yeah. um what you just shared with us and what's behind all that as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so my next question after that is uh for some listeners it might sound easy to go into the arts but it hasn't really been that easy for you. And why is that?
2: Well, um, I I was born with um, a mild to moderate hearing impairment, but now it's more of a moderate to severe deafness. Um, But also I've had quite a traumatic upbringing. Uh, I also have borderline personality disorder which got under diagnosed or misdiagnosed while growing up which led to a lot of bumps in the road but yeah
1: wow that's um well that's just sounds extremely stressful to someone who is not dealing with that so to see you like looking at you now and I know you because I've you know you've I was fortunate enough to meet you in an acting class at TAFTA in Australia. And I was just really impressed with uh, your your tenacity to keep going. And And I know you shared a few things with me back then, how difficult it was for you, like your anxiety and things would come up. But the thing is, Gee, um, you don't give up and that's amazing. So uh, can you share a little bit of what, um, how, how you kept in action to keep being in action, to do things that are positive for you rather than just living in um, what your, your body's doing. Now, I'll just give you one quick quote. It's such a beautiful quote. We, Doug and myself, interviewed uh, Janine. Doug, would you like to just share with G and the viewers uh, what Janine has, you know, what happened to her in her life and how she used that quote of, my body doesn't define who I am. And she's done amazing stuff.
0: Yeah, the other day we interviewed Janine Shepard. She is very – she has a towering reputation in Australia as she has the member of the Order of Australia. And I really believe if she keeps – if she pursues her goal of getting a Ph.D., she'll probably get a higher rank in that eventually. But, yeah, she she had an injury while I think she said she was practicing for the Olympics. Yeah.
1: Actually, no, yeah, you're right. It wasn't an injury. It was a horrific accident. Nearly killed her. She got run over by yeah. a truck while yeah. she was training for the Olympics. And, you know, she ended up a paraplegic. Um, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep going,
0: So she decided soon after the doctor told her she wasn't going to walk again. An airplane flew over her and she said that I'm going to fly. She took that as the writing on the wall.
2: That's
1: beautiful. <laughs> yeah, she, well, what she said was when the doctor told her that, and it was on the day, you know, one of the days close to when she was leaving hospital and she said she saw a plane fly and she said, well, if I can't walk, I'm going to fly. She ended up becoming a, a pilot. She got a pilot's license. She got, became a commercial pilot. Then she became um, an an aerobatics pilot, and now she instructs aerobatics. She said, I said, what, you mean you're doing planes flying upside down? She said, yeah, all that strapped in with her her plaster cast on, and she's written books. She's a TED talker, so she's amazing. Right, Doug? Incredible lady.
0: Very incredible. And she called me a friend afterwards. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And and, and that's, you know, it's the same thing with what you're dealing with. I mean, hers was intense, but – Yours is intense, doug was intense, and it's how mm-hmm. you're dealing with it, which I think is great that you 're not allowing your body what's going on it to define who you are and what you want to be so how did you do that? how did you i don 't even know what the right word to use is like just how did you have the right choices to keep going where you are now, which is a really happy looking woman you know you look you look extremely bright and glowing, and you're dealing with things a lot of people wouldn't know what it's like to deal with
2: um. But well, as for my deafness, um, some people think it's the end of the world and some people think, uh, um, I, I never, especially as a kid, I could never comprehend why it was so bad to be different. Like, I could still sing and people said I could sing, but then other people really put me down saying I couldn't because I was deaf, I got bullied in school. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I I don't know, I just kind of had that drive to s- prove that, yes, I'm deaf, but I'm still doing the same things you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And as for my mental health, I have borderline personality disorder, So I feel e- every emotion heightened and intense. So I think it's just I had that constant drive of I don't want to be in this big emotional pain like I when I have bad moments I literally scream it hurts that's how painful it is to be in a heightened emotion for me
1: mm-hmm. like you
2: would think I just broke my ankle or something but no it's my brain just on overdrive um, I, I'm not gonna lie I did start losing faith in myself and my drive Um, in my first year of uni but I feel like that the main cause of that was misdiagnosis limited treatment out there Um, but because with BPD you need the right type of treatment so everything else was like putting a band-aid on it and I was feeling very um, just I lost faith like I kept going back I kept doing the work on bettering myself but it just kept getting coming back or getting worse and then I'm like I got to a point where why bother it just keeps it's not doing anything but then I was fortunate enough to stick to it because I didn't want to be in this continuous state of emotional pain and I was fortunate enough to find a very good psychologist and he diagnosed me with BPD and it just all fell into place. And then the treatment's been amazing since then.
0: Wow, that's that's, incredible. Yes,
2: sorry, Doug, go on.
0: That's really incredible. And I have to be honest with you, I was bullied growing up too. And I'm gonna. Des- I plan to describe certain aspects of my bullying in an anti-bullying podcast that I'm gonna do with Jerry Trimble. I'm not yeah. gonna reveal names, obviously, but but you know we're doing an anti-bullying podcast, hoping to yeah. spread the word. Yeah,
1: and I think it's important to do that. Like Jerry and myself have been friends for well, oh, 15 years, and I know Jerry's an anti-bullying advocate, and he speaks. So I've. I've been with him uh, in LA when he's working at the LAPD and working with young street kids. He does the same in Vancouver. And I said, well, Gary, we should get together and um, you and myself will do an anti-bullying discussion because I completely understand where that comes from and, you know, my journey going through life. Mm. Um, And Doug's been bullied. And I thought, well, here's another opportunity on Doug's channel, we'll start dealing with that. And I don't think people sometimes realise when you've never dealt with those issues, I was never bullied. I wasn't bullied. If, if I was, it ended up, ended up pretty quickly with someone getting a punch in the nose and that stopped the bullying. But I'm not saying that's what you're meant to do, but that's what I did. Um, but I get it. it. And it is traumatic when you're bullied, and especially nowadays where cyberbullying is just, that's just out of control. And it's and it's probably a thousand times worse for people because they can't escape it because it's on their phone, it's on social media um, did you deal with any of that at all uh, gee, with cyberbullying or was it mainly one on uh, one?
2: I think it was a mixture of I think it was a mixture of everything um, unfortunately through my how I personally perceive it I feel like I had almost every single type of bullying except physical
1: Wow, well, yeah and and how did, I know how it left Doug. Well, first, Doug, how did that leave you, Doug, when
0: you went home, when you were bullied at school? What did that make you feel like? Well, I felt terrible because it was not a pleasurable experience. I was disappointed that people didn't seem to understand me. And honestly, I think the reason I was bullied was because not only did I struggle to fit in with other students due to my Asperger's, But I think that the students, being that they were kids and all that, I don't think they understood why I was who I was. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I plan to say in the anti-bullying podcast that I plan to bring up a story that kinda, it stopped the bullying for the most part. But honestly, the bullying sorta stopped for the most part when when I kinda gave a message to my classroom telling them about my Asperger's and how I wasn't in control of my actions. Do you have any questions for G about her um,
1: you know, her bullying?
0: Yeah, uh, what was that like for you? Did people bully you because they didn't understand you like me or was it because they just didn't like you or what was the reason?
2: Unfortunately, I think the hardest part was cause especially in high school they just Found reasons, like, there didn't have to be a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first proper experience of, like, school bullying I had was early primary school based on my deafness. It, the school got better. It just goes to show by educating the generations, um, it does get better. It's like, you can prevent this. Because when I was in Grade 6, it got so much better. Like, kids wanted to learn Ausland. But, yeah. Um, I, I remember in primary school, like a bunch of kids would walk up to me going, Can you hear me? 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 Oh,
1: wow.
2: Well, or is- one, of, one of my biggest pet kids is they would go, oh, And then, then, then they go, Do you know what I just said? Uh, oh, you couldn't because you're deaf. Oh, can't you leave lips? Like, read lips? And um, I, I don't have to be deaf to know that there's no sound coming out of your mouth. Like I, I would get as detailed as your breathing wrong, the mouth shapes wrong. I can't read lips and I know it's all wrong. I, your body does the stuff differently to produce sounds.
1: Wow. It,
2: was, it was very hard as a kid because I also had, I had a very lo- logical but emotional mind. So I couldn't comprehend what, it was very obvious to me not obvious to everyone else which is also a part of my bpd where um i struggle to comprehend like it's so obvious like i can it's just general knowledge but it's not general knowledge to everyone
1: yeah yeah and and th- that's thanks for sharing that that was um yeah that's uh sorry there's a plane going over i'll wait till he goes <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's an incredible story that's all I yeah, got that's,
1: like that's an amazing G. like that um you know like even just you telling me that I couldn't even imagine what that would be like having people make fun of you in your face like that like it's just and mm. I know I get it kids can be cruel but I just don't think you know they really understand the impact and that's why People do this sort of stuff. They don't realise that long-lasting impact. How how did that leave you being when that was happening to you and yet you still kept going to school?
2: It was hard, especially in high school, but um, I think it helped because I had good relationships with teachers. There was a few friends that I had, like, on and off through primary school that were hearing or deaf, Um, and because I went to a primary school that had a deaf facility in it, so I had support teachers and everything. Um, I don't know. It was definitely hard because I also had a lot of mental health that wasn't being treated properly, so I got triggered by almost anything. So I think bullying like that really just kept feeding my. Feel of abandonment loneliness feeling like a burden like i had people be nice to me in class and say yeah sure we'll hang out with you meet us here and then they're on the other side of the school hanging out with their group kind of wow thing.
1: so can i ask you gee because like we only have a certain amount of time yeah. in these broadcasts, but first of all i've got to keep saying you thanks for being so authentic and sharing and and doug as well because you know, you two guys, what you went through, um, I dealt with things in my own life differently and I don't particularly say they were the correct way to do it. Um, but, you know, that's that was part of my journey. And, uh, um, you know, I just wouldn't take being bullied and I wouldn't have my kids being bullied, um, you know. And uh, my daughter got bullied at school a lot because she was on the TV show Neighbours and she was quite a large kid, you know, and she got picked on and, there's a couple of guys got a few blood noses from her. And again, I say, it's not the right way, but she wasn't going, to, she was getting hit, like punched in the nose, pushed in the mm-hmm. As I said, you need to take care of that. You know, if someone hits you, you can defend yourself. So she defended herself and it amazingly, it stopped because they were scared of her. <laughs> it's like, so, you know, um, it is what it is, but I really admire both of you for the fact that, and since I've known Doug, like just, how you guys and, and, and people who are dealing with it, some sort of impact in their life, just you don't give up and you, you just keep driving forward. And, and some people, it, it's not that easy for them. They need more support and they need more people around them to help them deal with these things. And what we're hoping in these episodes is that people get to see how you currently keep getting up every day and you're proud of who you are and you're not giving up. And the same as Doug, he's outlet is writing and, and starting. We coached him and I said, you need to start doing more things on social media. Get your face out there, start telling your story. And like, he's he's incredible what he's been doing now. You know, like I'm learning off him now. It's just amazing. Um, yeah. So do one thing um, can I ask you for the audience to watching, what actions are you taking to keep yourself above going into that dark patch you know what do you do
2: Um, well the biggest thing i've been working on for the last few years i i think is like just learning to balance it but also telling myself it's okay (laughs) that things take time like it's not going to happen instantly Mm. um it's definitely a roller coaster it's it's not a mountain it goes up and down but eventually you're going to get to where you need to be but and i don't always notice the changes but when i hear people saying such good things about how i've grown and how it was like two years ago and everything um i'm also like learning to accept those comments like it's okay to hear that um but yeah I'm doing dialectical behavior therapies, which is the best known treatment for BPD. And Mm -hmm. that goes into like mindfulness, uh, check the facts, act opposite, body senses. It's like, your your body plays a big part on how you feel as well as your mind. Um, But yeah, even just like acting, like I want to do it professionally, but it's really helped me so much. Like the stuff I've learned from acting, I'm also learning DBT with all the mindfulness and I'm like finding what works for me and everything. And it just yeah. helps so much. But yeah, I find I do a lot better when I keep in tune with my body. Um, and I'm learning not to push my body now as well. Cause I always have endometriosis that I just recently found out and <laughs> It explains that why some days I might be able to do the splits, and then the next day it's like I'm never stretched in my life, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. Um, and
2: then I would, I would emotionally punish myself as if the dance teacher was shouting my in my head, kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, but, um, but yeah, I feel like just. I'm learning not to overload myself. So I'm learning to take time for me and continue to develop. And I'm, I've talked with like Andy, my agent, and a lot of people, it's like my mental health comes first. Um, no matter how much I want to do it, if it gets in the way of my mental health, I'm learning to say no, because my mental health needs to come first, which will, it, it's hard, especially in the arts industry and just society. We're so used to pushing it in the corner and just driving forward. Yep. But then we end up falling without even realising it that way.
1: That That's really um, powerful what you just said. That's, um, yeah, so, and I'm sure Doug aligns with all that as well. Like we have a rule that when I feel him getting a bit overwhelmed because his deal is with Doug, um, he's a go-getter. You can't stop him. Like a guy who can write 520 page book in one month like he he's he's at it and at it all the time so i I have sometimes to get to him and say okay doug take three days off because i don't want him to get overwhelmed um Mm. you know and that's that's amazing you know what you're talking about how you just keep going through it i remember there was a little time where we were doing some you know one-on-one coaching and, you know, I got to understand, even though there are such simple things we're getting you to do, what you just said, explained it, That just became a bit overwhelming and you had to stop, which is, is great because you know when to stop and go, no, I can't, it's not ready for me at the moment. So that's great that you you know your body well enough and what to do to take care of yourself, you know.
2: Still a learning process and I feel like a lot of people forget that. Yeah. It's like they even I still think sometimes it's like you feel like, oh, you succeed at once. You have to keep succeeding it. But that's not the case.
0: Mm. That's yeah. great. So go on, Doug. What were you going to say then? So just curious, uh, how old are you? And
2: I'm 24 years old.
0: Nice. I'm 22. We're in the <laughs> same
2: generation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. Doug, I- do,
1: you, do you have any final questions before we sort of head off?
0: Yeah, I I don't have any more questions to ask because I think you explained it well. But I thought I'd tell you which book Andy was talking about that I wrote, Uh. this one. Uh, When I was in my sophomore year of high school, my class did NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, where we had to write a 50,000-word manuscript in only a single month. And I was the only student to succeed in the challenge. I went overboard with it and reached two hundred thousand words. And by the, wow. and I was also the only student in my high school to actually publish the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing. Hey, G, just before yeah? we do end up, do you write at all? Do you do any writing?
2: I, I've, especially a few years ago, but not really novels. I feel overwhelmed by that. Um, yeah, right. I've done, like, a few little poems. I actually got some, like, here. Um, Like, there's this little one. uh, It's just because we're time fishing. It's like, my heart is banging, banging to get out, pushing through my ribs. My rib cage is vibrating. It wants to get out, to run to you, to show you the love I hide, hide inside me.
1: Wow, love it. That's great. Good poem. Well, I tell you what, you can um, you can send uh, Doug like uh, via mm-hmm. messenger. Send um, him some of your poems, and he'll be able to put them on to um, the channel when it goes up. You know, even a couple yeah. of few, three or four, and any of your the other pictures you said you're going to send me, like mm-hmm. send them to me, and I'll get them to Doug, and we'll put them up there. You know.
0: Yeah, we'll put them up there. Yep, for sure. Yeah, yeah great. God bless you and may yeah. you have a tremendous future in acting, singing, and Thank all
2: that. Yeah. yeah. I wish you both the best as well. Yeah, you know, yeah you're thanks. amazing people.
1: Well <laughs> no. Oh, no, so like, yeah, gee, we all are, you know, everybody's got their own little journey and just people like you and Doug being so um, powerfully authentic and not ashamed of what you're telling us, you know, like being proud of that's who you are and, you're dealing with it you're living a life of what you, your free will what you want to do without being stopped and judged and when you do get judged then okay you're dealing with it in, in a much more empowered way for yourself because it's only their view it's not who you are you know either of you you
0: know yep mm. all that glitters is not gold
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well thank you G. I i really appreciate you taking the time and sharing it. it's just beautiful story what you you're doing mm. in your life you know
2: yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's just so much. And I'm like, I feel like I've only just tipped the iceberg, but that's what it's yeah. like being in our situations. I'm sure Doug can understand. It's, yeah. People might see the tip of everything and not understand the whole story, but we have yeah. to do our best to give them what we can so people can understand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that drawing that everyone's seen, that artwork where you've got the iceberg on the water and underneath you've got this massive base of the iceberg. Yeah, you're right. We see the tip. We have no idea what's holding you up or what you're dealing with until you share Mm -hmm. it. And then even when you share it, I can only take in what you've shared. I don't, I, I, the experience that you're dealing with emotionally, I would have no idea what that's like, but I could imagine it would be intense for, you know, both of you and, and other people dealing with similar things, you know
2: yeah all right well,
0: thank you i appreciate both of you you know yeah for sure and we'll keep in touch g we'll keep of in touch of course i
2: think i'm yeah i'm also following you on instagram so we've got like multiple platforms
0: uh-huh. <laughs> follow me on youtube movie maker yeah. 55 i will do for sure righty, I wanna thank all of my friends for coming on board tonight. Yeah. And whenever you guys have a chance, check out my latest screenplay, a seven hundred and fifteen page long screenplay titled Ray Guns A Kronos, War on Claudiusville, Part One, The New Heroes. Woohoo! Woo. Can you guess yeah. how long it took me to write that one? How long?
1: Three months. Oh wow. How long is it going to take us to watch the movie?
2: <laughs> I think the part one will need two, three yeah. parts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. All righty. Well, thanks, mm-hmm. thanks Thank again, you. Jay. Appreciate you, and thanks for taking the time. And you too, Doug. Thank you. Have a
0: splendid evening. All right, followers. If you enjoyed this interview, please follow me on YouTube at Movie Maker Doug Fifty Five. Please follow my coach and mentor, Andy McPhee, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please follow G. Cunningham on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. And we'll see you next time on Being Relentless and Unstoppable.